Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. Good morning. This morning we are continuing our series on questions. Last week, I asked you to write down some questions. We had some pieces of paper on your chairs, and you guys did write down those questions, and thank you for writing those things down. There is a pad and paper, uh, a pad of paper and pen in the back if you have more questions uh, that you would like to see a part of this series. We've got a few more questions that are there that we can address that might take a couple more weeks in this series, but I did want this week kind of to address probably the most... Uh, common theme and thread in the questions that was taking place. And that really had to do with pain and suffering. It was overwhelmingly uh, the most, I guess, thought-provoking questions that you had. And it took place in a number of ways. And I want to actually read some of the questions as it took place Because they were, um, you know, as you read these things and you think, oh my gosh, i got to answer these. Uh, It's a little humbling. And I can feel the the pain that some of these questions are are coming from. And and I don't want to make this something that I take lightly. I I don't want to just give you, here's a verse, uh, you know, take it and go home. I, I was at a meeting last Tuesday, the rooted preparation meeting, and they talked about the difference between a prescription and a story, how a prescription is something you give someone where they just go to the pharmacy, they take the pill, and and they move on, but a story is something that a person engages in, and what God wants to do is engage with us in these questions and in the hardships that we are going through. One of the questions is dealing with a person who has mental illness and asks, why was I born this way, with mood disorders and with anger issues? Why is there disease? Why do horrible things happen to children and to great people like Terry? 
Another one was, I understand that God can heal the brokenhearted and that God uses tragedy and hardship for my spiritual growth, but I want to know why my personal tragedy hurts me still. Why do the memories of my brokenness haunt me? I thought I was healed. Another question says, please help me understand. If God really is actively involved in our daily lives, I I wonder if he really is because of the randomness of events that happen in the world. Why do some people live and are spared of disaster and some suffer horribly? It seems so random as if God is indifferent. So, so these were the questions that I've had to think about over the past week and to think of how am I going to answer these. And first of all, I need to let you know that I am going to be less than adequate in being able to really cover the scope of this. There is no way that I can answer the reasons why these things happen. But what I hope to do is be able to maybe get a a bigger picture of what God may be doing that will help us process what happens in our world. The last couple of days, Karina and I were out of town and we were involved in some things that took us all day from morning to the evening. And so we really were detached from the world and from the news. I didn't see the inauguration. I, I didn't see all the marches that took place. I just came and heard about them last night on Facebook. And it was kind of funny and that I would see people showing the same clip and with totally opposite contrast of that same event. And I was like, they're watching the same thing, but they've got totally different takes on the same event that happened. And that's the complexity of the world that we're living in. So this morning, I want to talk to you about pizza, equine therapy, and journaling, okay? Because I think that we have to see the diversity of the things that we go through and how we engage in it. First thing that we have to do is acknowledge that some of the suffering that takes place is by our own doing. I was texting with Alex last night and there was the wondering if there was any mobile pizza delivery in our church community and there wasn't, you know, and there was kind of a joking going back and forth because pizza is one of my downfalls. You see, I know I should eat healthy, but I really like pizza. And just about any time I am trying to watch my weight and watch my diet, if someone introduces Petrillo's pizza, it's out the window, especially if it's pepperoni and mushroom because that's my go-to. And you see, some of the sufferings that we endure is because of our own doing, whether it's be my weight and pizza, or whether it be an excess of alcohol and cirrhosis of the liver, or smoking and lung cancer, there are consequences to our actions. And some of the suffering that takes place is because of those types of consequences. We, we can't escape that. And we see that throughout Scripture. We, we see that from Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. We see that with Saul and David, or David and Uriah and Bathsheba. We see it with Saul of Tarsus and his persecuting the church. We, we see this result 
that takes place in our lives because of the things that we do that is direct connection to those things, that we reap what we sow. And it's important to recognize that because with our freedom comes the responsibility of our choices. And that ability to choose that requires love requires also involves the responsibility of the choices. And we could easily see that so many of the problems that we face in our world are a direct connection to the choices we make. You see, there is enough food on this planet to feed everybody, but the truth is we care about other things more. It might be governmental power. It might be greed and wanting to make a profit, but there is enough food. We just care about other things more. And so we are faced now with the responsibility, okay, if God is good, why do evil things happen? Well, sometimes evil things happen because of the choices that we make, because of the things that we do. And there is a direct connection in our choices and the things that happen. I was talking to a friend who is in a program dealing with uh, drug abuse. And part of the program has in it this equian therapy, which has to do with horse therapy. I never heard of this. Have any of you heard of horse therapy? It's like tripping me out. And they're talking to me, and I'm saying, what is horse therapy? And they say, well, we go to this place where we walk with the horse because the horse actually picks up on what we are going through before we even realize it. And one of the things they asked them to do, they said, well, we want you to pick down... Lean down and pick up the horse's foot. And they're freaked out. They're thinking, is the horse going to kick me? What's going to happen? As they're trying to pick up the horse's leg, it won't budge. The horse will not move its leg. It's like, yeah, I can't. They said, well, what are you thinking about? Well, I'm worrying about if the horse is going to kick me or not. They said, well, I don't want you to think about that. I just want you to think I'm going to go down, pick up the horse's foot. And so they did. And all of a sudden, the horse's foot comes up like that that their fear actually was sensed by the horse so the horse would not comply with them because of their fear. But once they dealt with that, the horse was able to comply with them. And they said that as they were walking with this horse, all of a sudden the horse would get jittery and they'd say, well, what are you thinking right now? And they're thinking, oh, I'm thinking about the time when my grandmother died and I didn't show up at the funeral. And the horse freaks out at that moment that they're thinking about that. And I'm like, ooh, that's kind of bizarre. But you see, really, that is the world that we are living in. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 22. Because God has told us about this throughout creation. When there was the fall in the garden, it didn't affect just Adam and Eve. It affected all all of creation. In fact, Jesus is here to to bring about a new heaven and a new earth. 
And in Romans chapter 8, verse 22, it says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. And so we see that the earth itself is in groaning because of the state of the world. And we see that in our environment, right? We see it in the smog. We see it in the the elements of mercury in the ground. There's so many areas where we have to worry about how things are being done because of how it affects the world around us. And again, this is, again, a connection not just to what we do, but how what we do affects those around us. Just like my friend's feelings affected the horse that they were walking with. With. And this is part of the world that we are living in. Part of the pain that is being endured is a result not just because of our actions, but because of the actions of others. And it's foolish to think that the way I behave affects no one else. Of course it does. Of course it does. And so this is part of the suffering that we're living in. But There is also a suffering that doesn't come directly from us or even indirectly from others, at least as far as we know. There are people who suffer from natural disasters, people who live healthy and still get cancer, people who have tragedy befall them, not because of their actions or necessarily just because of an action of someone else. And I think sometimes those can be the most troubling. And I want to look at how Jesus talks about this and maybe we can frame this in a way that will help us to move forward. Turn with me to John chapter 9. We read verses 1 through 4. As he, Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So is it his choices that caused this, or was it his parents' choices that caused this? Is this a direct result of his life or someone else's life? The two that we kind of briefly talked about. And Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. This is a very troubling passage for me. I ask questions, and there's two questions that came to my mind as I was reading this. And as Jesus gives this answer, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. I asked, would God make someone blind just so that he could heal him? Then I asked, what about the blind person who lives on the other side of town? Is God's work going to be displayed in her too, even if she is not healed? See, Jesus' words are, are pushing us towards something that make it, necessary for us to stand back and and try and look at it 
from a, a perspective that is a little bit more inclusive, I think, than just what is happening to this one man. Just like life happens to us and affects more than just us, I believe that Jesus' action and his words here are really pushing towards something that is bigger than just this situation. Because if John tells us in 1 John that God is love, then shouldn't God take care of me if I'm born blind or not? If God is love, what does that mean? How does that deal with my situation if I develop cancer or if my child comes down with a disease or if my friend is in an automobile accident? If God is love, how do these things incorporate into these pictures? And how does Jesus' words that God's work might be displayed in this person translate into these situations? Because our idea of love I think sometimes is skewed. We have an idea of love that might be one of feeling and goodness and ease, but every person I love, every person I love, the relationship is difficult. Anyone else with me on that? Okay, if you're just dating, Get ready, okay? Because <laughs> if you're in a relationship and you love that person, you're thinking, this is sweet. Hold on. Because there will be difficulty. I don't say that to scare you. I say that to let you know that that's how it grows deeper. That's how love expands. That how, that's how love becomes more valuable. But we have to get out of our mind this idea If God loves me, then everything should be easy because love has never been easy. So then how does God work in us? That's where we need to go to. But first, I want to show a short video that kind of deals with this idea of love and that love actually hurts, even as Jesus actually wept. What if in this scenario where the blind man is healed and Jesus said that the works of God must be displayed in him, it is a microcosm of what God is doing in all of humanity. What if God is moving us from a place of blindness to a place of restoration? What if God is moving us from a a place of brokenness to a place of healing? What if the work of God being displayed in us is not just a physical act of healing, but is actually a a spiritual act of moving us from this one place to another. One of the things that they do in a lot of recovery programs is they have the people journal because they, they want them to have an account of where they started at the beginning of their program and where they move towards the end of the program. And writing those things down helps them to see that journey that takes place. And you see, I I really believe that that's what we have in Scripture, is we have a journal by God talking about this brokenness and God's restoring not just this blind man, but all of humanity. And what God is trying to do is transform 
all of creation back to a place of wholeness, back to a place of goodness. And so we see that God is journaling even in the scriptures. Psalm 56, verse 8, record my misery. List my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Why would God want to keep a record of our misery? Because this is where we are at and this is where we are going because this is the place where we feel the pain, where we weep, where we hurt, even as Jesus wept. And this is where we are moving towards, where God is taking us to. What if the value of our lives is more than we can imagine? So much so that God gave his son for you. And if God would not spare his only son, how much more is he not willing to give you all things that are going to help you? What if you and I are of such value to God that we, don't imagine, we can't imagine it? What does that make our suffering to God? Something that he would have to account for and give record to. And so he would say to us that I consider our present sufferings, Romans chapter 8, verse 18, not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. See, right now, this is where I'm at, but what God is doing is transforming where I'm at to where I need to be. That is the work of God that is taking place in me. Just as we saw Jesus do with this blind man, he is doing with me, he is doing with you, he is doing with all creation. Verse 19, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. We're waiting for that transformation to take place. And we see a culminating factor of it where the resurrection is the transformation of the cross. Here is the death. Here is the pain. Here is when this takes place. And this is what God is doing. And that's why Paul could say he's able to work all things for the good to those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose, because this is the work that God is doing. He is transforming humanity. He is transforming creation. And so that child who is abused, who is neglected, who suffers, God is going to transform this. I don't know how, and I know it's okay to cry about it. Because God cries about it too, because it is painful. And I know the hurts that you go through, it's okay to hurt. It's not a lack of faith to hurt. It's not a lack of faith to go through the struggle. But what we need to have is the faith that sees that God is going to transform this pain in my life, this pain in their life to a place where there is restoration, where there is transformation. And God will also hold accountable those who are responsible for doing those things that are damaging. I have to believe that. And that's where my faith pushes me to because if God is love, then love is not passive. Love is dangerous. Love is persistent. Love pushes against injustice. Love suffers long. 
These are the characteristics of love. This is the characteristics of God. And what Jesus is doing in this one instance is just a small picture of what God is doing overall. The cross is transformed in the resurrection. Our lives are transformed by us dying to ourselves and being made alive to God. And that work continues. And that's where I need to grow in faith. You know, as Corrine and I were heading back from this weekend and the things that we were involved, some family things that we had to take care of, I got a number of messages just on the drive up. One of them was from Terry and the struggles that she had this past week. Another was from a person who is struggling with physical pain and difficulty. Another was a person who's struggling in their relationship with someone. And I'm getting these things and I'm thinking I'm getting ready to put a, a, you know, talk together on pain and suffering. And I'm hearing these things in real time. And I'm saying, gee, how do I deal with these things adequately? How do I address the pain that they're going through and they're going through and they're going through in all these different areas of life? And, and I don't know if any of you heard Erwin McManus, who I consider my pastor, last week gave a talk where Erwin has cancer. And he gave a talk that was just powerful on being battle ready. And one of the things he shares throughout this talk is that, you know, God has not left him. He doesn't feel like God has abandoned him. He doesn't feel like if he goes through these things and he's afraid, that's okay. But if we think that death is losing, we don't understand the game and the magnitude of what we are involved in that it isn't just about the time that we have, that our life is so much more. In Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5, it says, If you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? See, when life gets tough, Our faith has to be strong for that time. We need to be able to see that God is at work there just as he is every other time. Actually, the times when we are strong are the times when things are difficult. The times that we're in danger of becoming weak is when things are easy, when we no longer try, when there is no resistance, we don't push. And what God is doing is pushing all creation to a place where it can be transformed. And that's how he redeems the things that we go through in suffering. You know, in this passage that we read in John, Jesus says, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Later on in John 20, after the resurrection, it says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. You see, it's dark before God brings the light. And we are living in a world that is filled with darkness But God is transforming it. And he's transforming it through his people and through the work of his spirit in his people to bring about the light. 
And so we walk in this world, but we are the light of this world. We are the ones who show the transforming power of God to this world. How do we do it? By believing in him where we are, going through what we are going through. Because the disciples, Paul, the others, all went through persecution but all transformed the world that they were living in in spite of, or maybe it was through the difficulty that they were going through. And so I believe that Jesus would say to us, just as he said regarding this blind man, that the works of God must be displayed in him. The works of God must be displayed in you. The works of God must be displayed in me. The works of God must be displayed in our situation that changes from this place, transforms it to something new. And it's difficult and it hurts because love is like that. And God is love. And God will push and transform through all our brokenness to see us change to what we need to become, even though it hurts. It's not all the answers, but I hope it helps us to see a bigger picture than the situation that we are in. And I hope it gives you faith that will hold you through whatever you are in to let you know that there is a work of God taking place and he wants to transform you through it. Let's pray. Father, I know when I am going through difficulties that I want the pain to go away. And I pray for those who are here this morning suffering from one thing or another who want the pain taken away. Lord, may what we want more than the pain taken away is the transformation to take place. God, so many times we want to change our circumstances But maybe what you're wanting is through the circumstances to change us. And I pray we would be open to that change. That we would allow it to permeate through our lives. And I pray that even now, Father, there are things going through our minds that we are looking at, painful things that we're going through. Lord, may we look for what you are doing in these things. May this idea of transformation help us through the times of difficulty that we're going through. And may our faith be strong in spite of our circumstances because we believe that you are love. We do believe that you care. And we believe that here in this difficulty, you are at work. God, give us strength to see this clearly. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. May you see the transforming love of God in your life. May you understand that God is not trying to get you from sickness to health. He's trying to get you from death to life. And may you allow the work of God to transform you. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of the day. Drive careful. 
Enjoy each other's company. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.